listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Nouvelle. It's not just a job. It's not just a paycheck. Or at least it doesn't have to be. With the help of experts across industries, Dirk helps you find your passion and career, as well as exposing the unknown parts of every vocation. Let's go deep. Let's find your genius zone right now. Here's Dirk Novell. Hey, everybody. This is Dirk Novell. Welcome to the podcast. Um, on with me today is a friend of mine. I call him RG. His name is Ryan Grant. But, you know, when I was thinking about this podcast, uh, I, I thought of Ryan right away as one of the guys that I would really love to have come on. And just start, so you understand our connection, we are in the same industry. And my exposure to RG was um, a few years ago, we became, we were part of the same coaching group. And I knew who RG was. And, and it, when I met him, I just was like blown away. And the thing about RG that you're going to get is not only is he really, really good at what he does, but he is just an all around good person, amazing dad, amazing husband, um, you know, sports, basketball, you name it. He's skilled in about everything there is. But what he's doing that's so unique is, you know, a lot of us decide to get into a career and we don't know the full picture, but what he's doing, and I'll let him expand on that, but he's really changing an industry that's been the same for a long time. And, you know, he is so driven, but so smart. And if there's anybody that can do it, RG is um, someone that I totally believe in, but I think you're going to get a lot out of his experience and his mindset and what goes into his intentions uh, when he's doing his thing. So RG, welcome. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for the kind words. Those are nice. You're welcome. Uh, I'm going to let you kind of just tell the audience a little bit about what it is you do. And, you know, we'll go behind the curtains in a little bit and get deeper, but maybe just overall, if you could just kind of explain the nature of your job. Yeah. Um, job or what we're trying to do in this, in the, in the business ladder. Got it. So, you know, I was one of the fortunate to be one of the top 25 mortgage professionals in the country for you know quite a few years. And, you know, from like 2015, 16, 17, 18. And there are some things that happened in 2018 that really made me analyze why I was doing what I was doing. Right. Um, initially it was because I can make a really good living, right. I can make a, a good, a good level of income. Um, uh, you know, everyone, everyone will tell you this, but it's almost impossible to experience without going through it, which is that money will not fill the hole, right? Money's not the, the driver. It never will be. It, it never can be. And, you know, I realized in 2018 that I wasn't proud of selling more debt than other people. Um, I wasn't proud of the impact I was having on the families that we were serving. Um, I was more and more each year feeling more commoditized, right? People were just trying to find the cheapest version of our, of our industry. Um, and then there was a, you know, an experience where uh, one of the families that we helped, um, this lady lost her husband in a car accident. And you know, turns out they didn't have life insurance. They had to sell the home that they just bought a year ago. They spent a lot of you know, time, money, and energy acquiring. And I, I knew that was my fault. And I was like, man, we're, we're just selling debt to people, right? With no regard for their actual well-being, right? With no real interest in what happens for the next 30 years that they're going to have this debt. Um, and that's just, you know, there's people that say client for life or they're going to do, but I've never met an originator that does it at a high level um, outside of, you know, what we're, what we're doing now. And I've never met a company that had any, any sort of real just cause or mission um, other than close a lot of loans, make a lot of money. Right? like that's every mortgage company's deal. And I was not inspired. I, I, I lost any inspiration. I definitely was not fulfilled with the work that I was doing. I didn't feel safe because you now I was losing clients and, and didn't feel like I was offering anything different than anybody else. So, you know, I made the decision that, you know, both me and my team, we're never going to be a dollar more expensive unless we can, you know, quantifiably show someone how we're going to help them to be more of a successful homeowner, right? To grow their generational wealth, to quite frankly, accomplish goals in real estate or finance that they almost certainly would not without us. And we've been on that journey ever since. And 
uh, you know, it's been really great to find other people in our industry that also believe what we believed. Um, and those people are now coming together under Neo Home Loans. And that's why we named it Neo. It means new, right? We, we believe that we can be the new expectations that people will have of a mortgage lender. And I'll tell you, it's, it's hard, right? It really is. Each day, um, each day the industry is moving more towards click button, get mortgage, stay stupid, right? Don't educate yourself, just go, go in debt. And they have more money than us, right? They have more exposure than us. They have more people than us. Um, and so, and, and with the environment that we're in today, um, we have to work 10 times as hard to share with the world what we're trying to do. Um, and I always tell people in the last, you know, two and a half years, I don't think I've ever worked harder in my career, but I also have not never been more inspired or fulfilled doing it. Right. And so, um, I know we're doing the right thing, right. And it's not, be, I mean, not because we're making a ton of money. It's not because we're, you know, hiring a lot of loan officers. It's because the culture we're building is one that um, everyone is proud of, right. That like when we're done with our day, we're fulfilled with the work we've done. And we, we, we know that when we look back on our careers, we're going to have a lot of pride in the legacy that we've created, not because of the company we've created, but because of how successful the clients who chose to work with our company have become. Right. And that's, that's to me, that's the measure of any company. Yeah. I love that RG. Um, you know, when you're talking, I'm thinking about, I mean, it wasn't like you were unsuccessful before this awareness or this decision to kind of go in a different direction. You were, you were one of the top guys, as you said, what was, what was driving you before this kind of awareness uh, or shift? I mean, were you, were you just thinking my definition of success is just sell debt as many loans as I can. You did that, but what was driving you before this? Yeah. I mean, you know, Tony Robbins says this, you know, one of my favorite quotes is that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And what I was trying to fulfill was income and competition, right? Because I've always been like a massive competitor. You, I'll take any profile, you know, quiz or test you put in front of me and competition's like always my number one, um, as you well know, right? Uh, from our golf outings and other stuff that we do. Um, but when you reach a certain level of income, you realize like, okay, well, more is not going to fill the void. It's not going to help, right? And um, I started to see like the path that we were leaving behind us, right? We were leaving a path of homeowners with debts and we were leaving them to figure out what to do in every other area of real estate or finance. And like, you know, it's, it's very apparent. That's why there's a, a 1% of this country. Right? That's also why there's a 99%. And the 99% is not, the only difference between them and the 1% is they don't have information, right? There's nobody providing them proactive information to navigate the changes and evolutions in their life. And we can do that. We have every tool available to us. Like we understand personal finance. We know holistic wealth. We understand how to retire with real estate. We understand everything from, you know, small checking and savings accounts to large retirement planning. These like, now we're not experts in all those areas, but we're, we know enough to ask the right questions, right? We know enough to give them the right information. And so you could consider me successful because I had a good income, right? You could consider me successful because, you know, we had a great personal life with, you know, my wife and kids and extended family and so on and so forth. But um, there was no, uh, it was very apparent in 2018 that the fulfillment had very much changed, right? It was, yeah, you know, and I think, I think that happens in different parts of your life, right? Like you have like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like, well, to be fulfilled, you just need the base level of, you know, shelter and food, right? So then you're fulfilled there. And then you kind of start to move up and realize that, you know, at least for me, true fulfillment was less about me and more about you know, the families that chose to, to work with our group. Yeah. I mean, this is a great, great into what I uh, just, you're making me think of something. So, you know, the, the dance that I have on this podcast is I, I would love younger adults, people deciding to choose their life work to try to kind of get clear on what it is that they're naturally gifted, interested in, et cetera. And so you're given a great example of you were super successful and then you had this realization after time. So you took action, you were successful, and then you, you, you realized it wasn't enough or it, you wanted more out of this. 
what I'm trying to do is like, I get the fact that you got my dad's voice is you get out there, son, get a job and it's work. That's why it's called work. But what is your advice to somebody that's, you know, they've got a lot of voices in their head. They're coming out of school. They're thinking about paying off debt, college debt. Their dad wants them to be a lawyer. Their mom wants them to be a doctor. Um, but like what, if you could rewind the clock a little bit, like, and get more in tune, like with yourself at 24 years old, like, how do you expedite that awareness or do you think you can? I think you can. Um, I would have hired a coach or a mentor very early on in my career. I started in the mortgage business when I was 21, 22. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know there was, I didn't have coaching until like 2015. I started that. So nine years in my mortgage career, I never had a mentor. I never had anybody who had gone before me to say, no, you're, you're not really doing it right. Right. Or, okay, you're starting to make some money, but here's what you should do with it. And here's how you should look at this. And um, it's just such an easy shortcut. I don't know why more people don't do it. I, I, if, like me, I didn't even know professional coaching was a thing. Right. But um, you know, a lot of people, again, it's hierarchy of needs. So you come out of college, you're very rarely know what you want to do. Right. Um, you pick a path. And you go down that path. A lot of people just stay there for 30 years. Um, but it's, if you can audit, not just what you're doing, but how you feel about what you're doing. Um, I wish I would have done that much earlier in my career. I got, you know, I got to the end of the day and I just saw, you know, a paycheck and I was like, this is great. I don't know where else I could, you know, earn this level of, of income. And I didn't audit how it made me feel. I didn't audit the impact I was having it because at 20, you don't think legacy, right? You don't think about, you know, social impact. You don't think about, you know, how many people you want at your funeral, right? And what, what you want them to say about it. you just think I need to make money. I need to pay off student debt. I need to buy a car. I need to buy a house. You know, I want to impress, you know, girls you just think about, you know, normal evolutionary things. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like as, as I know this may sound a little strange, but for me, I was my definition of success was my dad's, and I didn't realize it till I got into my 30s. You know, I was he was always comparing, you know, people living on the lake, um, money. I mean, just good looking people. I was just very superficial. And I, you know, I realized when I first got into lending, you know, I I I went strong and I did really well. And after a while, like it, it felt empty. Uh, and it's not like I didn't like what I did, but I was so fixated on being a top producer and making a lot of money. And I love money, but it was, it was an empty feeling for me, but this is, this is great. Um, what you're talking about, like, I love that you said audit how you're feeling. I mean, when you really understand what RG saying, it's like, pay attention to your emotions and like taking it a step further. Like I always say, like, what do you do on a Saturday when you have a whole day to do nothing? And you know, seven hours feels like 20 minutes. And I just wish that people would identify and, and be aware of those things and, and maybe align that with the career. But you're right. A lot of times you're young and you're not thinking like that. But I think a shift can be made. You, you, made a, uh, you gave me a quote or something about meeting the person. You, I, I don't want to butcher it like Tommy Boy, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about, that quote? I do, yeah. Can you, can you give me that? Yeah, it's my greatest driver in life is that, you know, the definition of hell is when the, the person you are meets the person you could have become at your fullest potential. Right. So when you die, you walk up to the, the man or woman that you could have become and you see what they've created with their life. You see the impact they made. You see the legacy they've left. You see the relationships they've built and you see how great of a husband or, or mother or father, you know, uh, you just see this life and you go, that could have been me, right? If I would have just made the right choices and reached my fullest potential. And, you know, again, I didn't hear that until my, probably my early thirties. Um, but that really turned a, a screw that made me think very differently about the choices I make and the, you know, people I spend, you know, I, I choose to spend time with and the, you know, where I invest all assets, time, money, energy, awareness, love, respect. And you know, it, it's just a driver. Like I, you know, 
I don't know what my fullest potential is, but I, I can tell you we're working hard to get there. Yeah, I agree. Um, so people see like in the industry, like I've got a buddy of mine that knew who you were when he worked with you at Fairway and they see you, you know, RG is an amazing speaker. Uh, obviously he runs a company of some really talented people, a great producer, but which you don't really, you see that, but you don't understand what comes behind that. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that people that are interested in getting involved, like maybe owning a business or getting involved in um, selling debt um, or the mortgage industry? Like, what is it that they need to know about if they're going to try to follow in your footsteps? Because it, it's not always easy. And it's, I'm sure that you have, you get up early and you work hard. And what are some of those things that you could help articulate so people aren't getting into this business blindly? If we're just specifically speaking of the mortgage industry, right, not business ownership in general, um, my advice would be understand what you're taking on. Because um, the mortgage industry in 2023 is massively different than it was even a year ago, right? Um, and, and prior, uh, I think that our industry now has, there's two clear paths, right? And we are, we're driving down one and most people are driving down. Well, some people are driving down another. Most people are in the middle. And I think this is probably good for any industry. Any industry is that realize the two most prevalent paths, right? Which is one is click button, get mortgage, super cheap. Don't talk to anybody, get your mortgage and move on. And the other one is a high level of value, right? A, a consistent and constant maturation of your generational wealth profile. It's, you know, guidance for years, it's advice, it's someone saying, hey, we're going to take you from where you are to where you want to go. But most people are in the middle of those two things. And the middle is where everyone gets the short end of the stick, right? Because there's a business model by being the cheapest, for sure. It's just a race to the bottom. And it's a hard, hard win, right? Um, very few people are, if, if any, outside of Neo are trying the, let's commit to helping the families that we serve do things they wouldn't do otherwise, right? It's a, it's a hard path, right? It's a really hard thing to pull off. So most people just live in the middle, right? They, they try and add value where they can, and, but they can't afford to be the cheapest because they need to still run a profitable business. Um, and no one knows who they are, right? There's no identity there, right? Like you, you need a clear identity. And if it's, well, I'm kind of this and I'm kind of that, it's like, well, I would rather have either this or this, but not both, not in the middle. Like, I don't want to pay more than a dollar more than the cheapest person if I'm not going to get the level of value I could get from this person. Right. And so I would say that with any industry, right, is that find what makes you unique, find what makes you different and just drive down that path. And I, you know, I can only imagine what life would be like and how how much of an impact we could have made if I started this in 2005 right? or in 2011, when I really kind of started my actual career. Um, but then you just, you mature, right? Like, you know, if, if hindsight was always 2020, nobody would have any problems, but I think the, the maturation of my business growth has just been a lot of curiosity, right? Just always stay curious and ask questions and think into the future uh, but then when you become a business owner, it's very different, right? Because for most of my career, you know, up until really 2020, I was an employee, right? And employees get paid first. <clears throat> when you own a business, you get paid last, right? And you you make decisions very differently and you invest your own money and you take risks and you, you know, you 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 get away from the comfort zone, right? Because you know, we, we do the talk about the zone of genius all the time. I was in my you know zone of excellence and zone of competence for 99% of my career. And then still at many times in today. Um, but if you can get into that zone of genius, it's amazing. You just have to realize you're going to take a little risk because you had certainty here, right? You had income here. You knew you were good at this. And when you pull away from that to step into your genius zone, it's scary because you give a lot of that up. Right. And that's that's where you have to have a ton of self-confidence and you need to have a really strong self-talk. You need to have a really, you know, consistent, positive voice and leave, leave your negative voice at the door. Um, and that's just a that's a day in and day out battle. Yeah. Um, 
And, and I have the unfair advantage. I've watched you and I've seen, I know like RG's one of the founders of this company, Neo, and he's, I don't know how many officially, but I know three or four of, of the guys that, and you know, I, one of the things that I keep seeing when people are super successful is who you surround yourself with. And certainly you have the skill set and knowledge to do something on your own and be very successful. But when you join up with like-minded individuals, I think it's crazy potential. And I see that at NEO. Um, so, you know, when people think of jobs, they, you know, they, I don't think they do, but like for me, I didn't realize how important freedom was, you know, at 24, I was thinking dollar signs. And like, for me, I'm very involved with my kids. Um, I was working in technology, got into mortgages, mainly because I didn't want to be away from my family. I wanted to coach. I wanted to wake up with them, go to bed with them, take them to school. So freedom, um, I like to be my own boss. Um, I don't want to be capped on my compensation. Those are a few that are important to me. What is it about your current environment or your industry that you've chosen? Like, what is important for you? I guess, obviously, one is making an impact, changing people's life, not just selling them debt, but sticking with them for their entire life. What would you say are two or three other things that are crucial that you need to have part of your career that, you know, are no, you know, there's no way that you could live without them? Yeah, I mean, creative freedom and autonomy are really important. Um, it, it comes at a cost, though, right? Because you're again, you're when you move out of employee into self-employed and then into business owner and ultimately into investor, which is kind of the top end of that. Um, you get a lot more creative freedom, right? You get a lot more autonomy. Um, I haven't had a boss since, uh, I don't know, maybe 2007, 2008 is when I had my last boss. Um, to me, the thought of like asking for time off um, feels very restrictive. Um, but yet I realized, you know, the importance of, you know, having that in, in, in an organization. Right. Um, but that's where you just have to look and say like, what kind of person do you want to be? Right. Because there's safety and certainty and security oftentimes in being an employee and getting your paycheck and doing your job and doing it well and growing. Right. But when you move into the world of, you know, business owner uh, or, you know, leader of an organization, you, you can, have more creative freedom autonomy, but in a large part, in a large way, you don't, right? Like since I became, you know, self-employed or my own boss, like I've worked way more hours, right? Like it's not an eight hour day ever. It's a, you know, it's a, a lot more, but you know, you get some time off. And then at that point, it's just a, a matter of like feeling out where you should be on your calendar, right? Like if you look at my calendar, it's, pretty insane, right? It's just go to end. But when I end, I end, right? And when I start, I start. And having that ability to like, you know, shut off and shut down and nobody's going to be like, hey, we need you to come in on Saturday or do this. It's like, that wasn't part of my plan. So I'm going to stick to my plan because it's been working. Um, and look, I everybody wants freedom, right? Everybody wants to make their own schedule and do their own thing. But until you realize the risk associated with it, Right, is that if it doesn't work out, if your leadership doesn't work out, if your you know business that you're trying to create doesn't work out, well, then you have to go back to that, which is also a hard thing to do. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, I think people like are thinking like owning your own business, starting your own company is really fun and sexy and you know exciting. But there's stuff that you're just bringing up right now that it's not for everyone. I mean there's a lot of risk, like you said, and you are the last one to get paid. Uh, are there anything, anything you can think of, you know, let's just say from a mortgage industry standpoint, as a producer, and even as a, an owner of a company, other than the risk uh, that you've seen from people that you've worked with known that you would caution people like, hey, I don't want to say like, what's the bad part of your, about your job, things you don't like, because I know you're a pretty positive guy, but if there were a couple things you would throw out there that, you know, sometimes it takes 10 years for someone to find that out, right? Like if you could give them good advice up front, like, okay, just so you know, if you're going to pursue this, be aware of this and this. 
Um, maybe a couple of things that you don't like about your job or your career. I would say the things that I, I don't like is the, the way the industry tries to create like false separation. We'll put it that way. And I like, I know intimately almost every mortgage company that exists in the marketplace today. And I can't find any real level of separation between the organizations. And to me, that's disheartening, right? Because there's a clear separator between Dell and Apple, right? For, for better or for worse, right? There's a clear separator between, you know, Nordstrom's and JCPenney's, right? There's, there's clear separators, but <clears throat> Our industry just hasn't tried that. We're all just doing the same damn thing. And we convince ourselves that we're actually trying to do something different when it's really just some people are better salespeople, right? Some people have better personality. Some people have better influence. Some people work harder, right? If you really dissect someone's career, right? Some people are just willing to do it for cheaper and do it more. Um, if you really dissect each of the, you know, companies or originators, you can clearly see, okay, well, that's the difference. Right. But it's not really different. You're just better at that than other people. Um, and I, I really wish people would take it more seriously. Right? I wish people would believe in themselves more. Right? I wish people would dive more into the financial aspect of what we do, because this is a massively important. I mean, you think about the impact that our industry could potentially have. Right? Over 70 percent of America does not have a state plan or will or trust. Right. Every you know, I think over 60 some odd percent of America will never speak with a financial planner or get financial advice other than maybe a family member, right? Those people are doing their own taxes. But 95% plus of America at some point will just raise their hand and be like, I wonder if I could just buy a house. Like maybe I'll ask if I could buy a house, which means that our industry has the greatest opportunity to impact the largest number of families in the United States from a financial wealth perspective. But we've never done it. And we talk about helping people like <clears throat> Dirk, if you go to, you know, let's say you go to the doctor and you get prescribed a medication and you go to the pharmacy and you pick it up. Do you, do you believe that your pharmacist is helping you? No, <clears throat> he's just fulfilling an order, right? Like a transaction, an order was placed. He fulfilled that transaction and he's going to go do it again for somebody else. That's what the mortgage industry is. We've just convinced ourselves otherwise for a very long time. And for a very long time, there's been more orders than there's been people to fulfill those orders, which is why we've seen a lot of level of success in the mortgage industry. Well, now that's changed and mental health is a real problem in the mortgage industry because people were like, wait a minute, I thought I was really good. It's like, no, you were just there. Yeah. Like, if you want to be really good, you need to be able to tell me how you can impact the life of a family in a way that your competitor cannot. And almost no one can do that. And that level of, of um, apathy or lack of interest in improving in your craft, just it, it's not acceptable, right? Like we're doing a job that really should require a higher level of financial education. Um, it should require, you know, a greater level of, you know, of being a fiduciary, but that's just not been a thing, which is why we've seen so much, you know, how the mortgage industry actually damn near bankrupt the, the country at some point, right? And it's it's better now, but it's still not anywhere where I believe it should be. So a question, I think I've asked you this before, but I'm going to ask it again. You know, I'm following you because I've been in this business a long time and what you're doing is very different. And what, what is it like? I mean, getting, getting into the head of a, of a client or a prospect or a referral partner and like, they're not even thinking like this in a lot of ways. Like, I don't, I don't think they're initially, they're coming to you for, I don't want to say a widget, but in their, in their mind, a debt. And so when you're offering this value and, and explaining what you're doing for them, how, how often do they readily get that? I mean, I would think it's like, they're not even thinking like that until... Right. I mean, that's that's an education in itself. That's why what we're doing is so difficult. Right. And I was, yeah. you know, somewhat naive in thinking that it would be easier, but we're essentially developing a whole new product. 
right? That the, the, no one ever asked for, right? That, you know, nobody even thought that they wanted, right? Everyone thought what they wanted was just a low rate and low cost and close on time, right? But our job now is to show people, A, what's available and B, what they really need, right? So if we can open the scope of a of, of view from 30 days, which is what most people look for in a, in a mortgage lender, to 30 years and start to show people what they really are going to need to go through, like what it really takes to become a successful homeowner and to grow your generational wealth and to accomplish real estate financial goals that you probably would only dream about, but never actually do because no one's helping you. That's our responsibility now is to say, Dirk, you know, did and you were referred to us by Mary. Did she tell you what makes us unique and different as a mortgage company? No, she just said, you're great. Okay. Well, let me talk to you about what we do versus what the standard industry does. Right. And look, this is a new thing. Like that's why our name's Neo. Right. But I, I believe that once I show you what you have in store for the next 30 years, you're going to realize that you're really glad we're talking right now. And look, depending upon where people are in their financial journey, <clears throat> some people fall over out of their chair and just like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I met you. Right. Cause I need all these things. And other people are like, uh, I just, I just kind of want a mortgage. I don't, I don't really need that. <clears throat> and so that's the second part of our job is to be able to meet people where they are. Right. And the, the person that's totally buttoned up financially and has all their ducks in a row we don't need to go overkill with them. But what, we, what I will say is, you know, if you're that person, I'd say, Dirk, you know, I'm happy to complete the mortgage transaction for you as long as you're at least open and willing to experience what we're going to do after the transaction, right? Because if you're just open to it, what I believe is that you'll realize all the transactions you've done in the past, you would be much better off today if you would have worked with us for the last 10, 20 years. And clients are like, yeah, I'm open to that. No problem. All right. So again, it's, a lot of emotional intelligence, a lot of figuring out where people are and not jamming what we do down people's throats because different people take it differently. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? And, and your job is extremely difficult, but once I think once the connection's made, it's very sticky and it's, you know, I mean, that's what we want in our industry. Any industry is loyalty and customers for life, but you're actually, I think you're, the more time you put into this, that's what you're actually getting at the end of the day is you're attracting, you know, I call tribe, which is the coaching group that you guys started, but you're, you're attracting your kind of people, correct? Yeah. Or creating them or creating them. Yeah. yeah I love it. Because, because I mean, ultimately when you're talking to the consumer about where they are, most of them have no clue as to where they could actually go with the right advice, the right guidance. And, you know, you say you were trying to create loyalty or stickiness. I, what we're trying to create is dependency. I like, we want people to really depend on us to help them in ways that they just wouldn't help themselves typically. Right. And, and that's a massive level of pride and responsibility and an honor for us to to have someone say like, man, I don't, I don't really know what to do here. Let me call my, you know, mortgage professional at Neo and kind of see what their thoughts are. But, you know, our motto is, look, if one of our past clients calls us and says they want to buy, sell, or finance a home, it's a failure on our end, right? Because we should be so proactively engaged with them that we help them decide when to buy, sell, or finance a home. I mean, just think about if you were not in this industry today, or if you're, if you're listening to this today, right? Less than 16% of America thinks it's a good time to buy a house, Right. Almost every seller thinks it's a seller's market. Almost every buyer thinks it's a buyer's market. Every headline says, don't buy. If you own a home and you want to get a new one, you have to trade your 2% for a 7%, right? You see banks collapsing. You see, you know, recessionary red flags everywhere. Everywhere you turn is like a red flag. But yet our industry and the real estate industry, we sit back and we wait for the average person to manage through all those things I just mentioned to come up with their idea of I'm going to buy, I'm going to sell, I'm going to finance. And it's irresponsible because they don't have the tools. We do. 
And we just keep them to ourselves and hope they come to us with their order in hand, like need a mortgage. That has to change. Yeah, I mean, I can really feel it from you. I mean, that's the thing. We've had conversations in cars going golfing or, you know, on our trips with coaching. I mean, you have an authenticity. I mean, it's it's so real. And and I think that's something that like, you know, when my daughter, she's a senior in high school, but when she starts looking for school, like I would want her to watch your podcast because this is what you need. And I don't want to say to win the race, but to to like to really bring joy into your life and in your career. And like, like it's, it's, it's inspiring. And there's just so many people I see that don't have that. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you in terms of genius zone, I mean, you have so many skills. What would you say? Like, are there two or three that you're really proud of, of yourself? Like, I know you're a really humble guy, but when you kind of give yourself the ability to just to be like, pat yourself on the back, what is it you think that, you know, you, and by the way, you know, there's you, there's Josh, there's Craig, there's Chris. I mean, you have this all-star crew of people with different skill sets. What is RG? Like, what is your superhero, uh, you know, weapon? Like, what, what is it about you in that group of Neo all-stars that sets you apart from the rest? Yeah. You know, when I, I did a superpower exercise with my coach a while back and I, the, the two that always jump off the page for me is influence and steadiness. Um, I'll start with the, the, the latter. In our industry, it's a roller coaster. I mean, it's good, it's bad, it's up, it's down. It's, you know, there's all sorts of highs and lows. And if you let yourself get extended to the high or to the low, you're gonna burn out so fast, right? Because you're gonna have a good month or a good you know year or whatever the case, and you're just gonna think you're, God's gift. And then you're going to have a year like 2022. And you're going to think that you're the worst person on the planet. And, you know, or a great thing will happen and you'll be really excited and everyone's happy to be around you. And then a bad thing happens and you turn into an asshole and everyone hates you. Like you'll, you could ask anybody that I've ever worked with. I've never raised my voice. You know, we could have the best month in the history of our, our company. I'll be like, awesome. That's great. Next month, we could have a terrible month and be like, no big deal. Let's move on. Like just that steady state. If you can stay in this range and not do this, it's better for you. It's better for everyone around you. Like you can become the pillar of strength that people can count on for the consistency, right? You don't blaze the, you know, go to the sun and then, you know, fall, fall down. So I think that for me has been helpful because I don't, I'm never going to get crazy to one of the spectrum or the other. Um, but the influence one, I think is one that I've, I've come to really enjoy over time. Um, and in large part, I'm trying to influence people to do things that they wouldn't necessarily do without a push, right? Like getting someone to realize that they have so much more to offer, right? Getting someone to realize that they don't need to stay safe, getting someone to realize that, you know, leaving an established big behemoth mortgage company that has all the bells and whistles to come work for a startup who's going to change the mortgage industry is a good idea. Right. Um, but I think, you know, the, the Laguna uh, coaching session we had right, where um, Jesse, Jesse came and said like, look, you don't want to wake up on your deathbed and realize you live the 80% version of your life. And that hit me. It hit all of us. And you know, I talk to people about that often, right? Because people are scared of the wrong thing, right? And going through the the fear setting exercise, right? Like most people are afraid of, of, of failure, right? Or making a misstep, but what they should be afraid of is staying the same. Like for God's sakes, like if you keep doing what you're doing and playing small and not putting your chips in, you're going to look back and just be so underwhelmed when you have so much more to offer. You have so much more to give. And that's a hard, that's not in our DNA to do. It's not how we're biologically wired. Right? We are wired to protect ourselves, to stay safe, right? Because we used to run from saber-toothed tigers and hide in caves. And we just, you know, had to forage and get our meal and get back. We haven't really evolved out of that yet. You know, to realize that we can do so much more. We're already pretty safe. That the, 
the downside of taking a, a shot, right, or swinging big or going for like the downside is not that bad, right? But the downside of staying where you're at and playing small and not giving it your all, like that's it's you can't even quantify how scared you should be of staying where you are. Yeah. You know, and as we wind this down, uh, as I've gotten to know you, like my initial observation of you is like, this dude's driven. This guy is all business. Like he's an assassin. I sure hope he doesn't come into my territory or else I won't have any deals left. Uh, but then as I've gotten to know you, you know, I think it's good for the audience to know like you're very well-rounded. It's like, you, you, I, I know you talked about like you pull over before you get home, do all your phone stuff, turn it off. So when you go home with your daughters and your wife, you're present. You're also, I mean, you live your life like you golf, you like hoops. I mean, you do a lot, you know, I don't know if it was Taekwondo or karate or whatever, but boxing, like you have a lot of interest. And so you're not a one trick pony. And, you know, I think what I'm reason I'm saying that is when you see Ryan or RG is like, so polished, so successful, such a good dude. But, you know, we haven't even talked about the important stuff, the family and, and the personal stuff. And, you know, that's the side that I really like about you because it's like, you know, I love hanging out with you. And, you know, we're not talking about work. Uh, we're just having a good time laughing and whatever. So I think it's really important for people to know that you can be very successful driven but I don't know. It doesn't mean much unless you have a balance. And I think you have a great balance. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is success, right? Like I think people use that word success inappropriately. A lot of times, like, look how successful I am. They have a failed marriage and they're, you know, not healthy and they're not happy. And they're, you know, just burying themselves in work because it's, you know, it actually is an addiction that they can't pull themselves out of. And, no, I've never been that guy. Like, I, you know, I very much look forward to all the things we plan. Like, you know, I play basketball a lot. I, you know, still am active in martial arts and boxing and I, you know, love golfing and, you know, love spending time with the family. And we're, you know, we're just, we're traveling. You don't have to choose one or the other, right? You just have to be able to know where, like, be where your feet are. I like just, like right now I'm talking to you. I'm not checking emails. I'm not worried about anything else. Like I'm right here. And when we're done, I will go be somewhere else. Right. And my, my calendar keeps me very present in those places. And when my calendar is done, I'm present here or there doing something with the girls. And I think that's people's biggest challenge. It's not that they're overwhelmed. It's just, they're, they're never actually where they are. Right. Like you'll be, at work, missing your daughter's dance recital and half-assing it at work, right? Or you'll be your daughter's dance recital checking emails. And like, you just have to be really clear with, I'm just going to be where I am. And then when I stop being there, I'll shift. And I think that's been really helpful for me. I definitely have not always been that way, but it's through coaching, through like, you've been a big influence in that for me. Like I see how you know, how committed you are to your family and how like, you're just not willing to, to bend on that. And that taught me a lot, you know? And so that's, that's why I think mentorship and coaching and community and surrounding yourself with people that you love and admire. Like I wouldn't, a lot of what I am is because of the people that I surround myself with. And I'm like, I love that. Like I stole the safety stop from a good friend of mine that I learned in a coaching group. I would have, it's not something I would have thought of. Right. So a lot of this is just meeting great people, asking a lot of questions, being super curious, and then implementing the things that you love most about the people you admire the most. I love that. And, you know, the thing as it's been brought up a few times in this podcast is, you know, there's, you and I have, we're social people. We, we had friends, but there's a lot of people that don't have access to um, successful you know, mentors or people that, you know, uh, definite are examples of success, right? Maybe they're in an environment where they, and so my hope with these podcasts is, is to give these people and adults access to examples like yourself. Uh, and I think surrounding yourself, if you can't surround yourself with like-minded people, if anything, maybe you can tune into a few of these podcasts and, 
you know, uh, learn a little bit from, you know, people like yourself. The last two questions before we end this is I always ask uh, this to each guest is if you could go back in time. And by the way, did you actually go to Duke or are you just a Duke fan? No, I went to Santa Barbara, but Duke, Duke uh, basketball fan. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Um, if you could go back coming out of Santa Barbara, knowing what you know now, do you think you would have followed the same path or would you do something different? I get asked that question a lot and I don't ever know the right answer. Um, I talk to people that, you know, travel for a year or two and made the most incredible life experiences and, you know, you know, traveled solo, which meant that they have to push themselves to be more social and take more risks. Um, I really would have loved to have done that. Um, cause I'm just not that guy like traveling solo for me, seems like it's insane because I can't share with anybody and I'm not super outgoing to where I would just start up a conversation. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I think that <clears throat> I believe I'm, I am where I am because of the path that I took. And if I would have taken a different path, like imagine if I, I graduated in 04, I take two years off and I travel, do whatever mortgage industry is falling apart in 06, 07. And maybe I never get in it, right? Because I didn't want to be in the mortgage industry. I fell into the mortgage industry. And so it's hard to go back and say what I would have done different. Um, and I don't know if that's a great, I don't know if that's, if that's really a good place for anybody to think, right? It's just like, well, you are where you are now. So like, what are you going to do now? Like, what are you going to do moving forward, right? Like, maybe I take two years and travel now, right? Like that's, you, know, you always think about things that you could have done. Well, you have a ton of life left to live, right? So just focus on that area. But yeah, uh, it's I agree. a super interesting question. Yeah, I know it's a, a typical question, but I'm always curious. Uh, I do actually, I said I had two, now I have two again. One of the questions I really want to ask you, RG, and, you know, like for, for and, I, and I, to set this question up again, like I'm always curious about what people's intentions are, or what's driving them. And you're so driven and you do things at such a high level. Where did that come from? Was that was that just an internal thing you've always had? And I almost think I might have asked you this in the car when we were with Tim going golfing. But was this like a, a parent thing, like wanting to be loved, or I know not to get too emotional, but or was this just you're just a competitive dude? Or I mean, where does the drive come from? Because not everybody. I mean, I know a lot of. I used to. I, I think I'm driven, and I meet guys like you and Josh, and I'm like. Maybe I went to too many dead shows, but where does that come from? I mean, is that something that you had in high school or did that come after college or where? It started when I was very young, like four, five years old. I started martial arts when I was four. I started wrestling very early. I started boxing very early. So a lot of very pugilistic sports where if you weren't good at them, it hurt. Right? Like it physically hurt to not be good at those sports. And so I, I always really wanted to win, right? I always, and look, I, like I was playing basketball this morning, right? Like it's part of my Wednesday morning routine. I'll go play basketball and then lift weights and I'm in there by myself and I'm running lines and I'm doing drills and I'm doing all this stuff. And it's like, I'm 40 years old and I'm not trying out for the bulls anytime soon. Right. But if I'm doing it, I just want to be really, really good at it. Otherwise don't do it at all. Right. Like there's things that I don't do at all because I don't want to be really good at them. But if I'm golfing, I'm there and I want to be the best, right? If I'm traveling, right, I want to see everything and do everything. I want to experience all of it. I'm just, I think I've always been the guy is like, if I'm going to do it, you might as well do it the best you can. And you, you mentioned about like not hovering, you know, like you're steady Eddie. I mean, you're not too high, too low, but it, that doesn't mean you don't celebrate your success. Like you, you acknowledge that, right? I mean, you sure. enjoy, I mean, it's not like you're like, yeah, thanks. And move on and deflect it. Like you, you acknowledge and, and you, it feels good, right? I mean, you, I don't know how to say it, but I think you know where I'm going. It's not like you're some guy that has all this success and, you know, just you know, throw it and move on and you don't acknowledge it. But you, I mean, I think being around you, you really, I mean, I don't want to say put words in your mouth, but I think you're pretty proud of yourself. I mean, you should be, right? Yeah. Gratitude has been something that did not ever come natural to me. Um, I was never inherently, you know, I didn't find a lot of gratitude in my day to day um, because I always thought more, right? Like I, I can achieve more. I can accomplish more. I can become more. I'm my potentials, you know, higher than this. 
And that's why, you know, I would recognize the the high points for what they are, but then keep moving. Um, and it's been probably the last five years, you know, being in coaching and, you know, really understanding how powerful gratitude can be um, that I practice it much more consistently. It's still not something that comes natural. Uh, I still have to like intentionally sit and think and look around and, you know, experience all of the, the great things that I've been able to, you know, be a part of um, in the life that we have. And uh, I, I wish it came more natural because it feels like a forced thing, but the more I do it, the more I become aware of it. I love it. Okay. So last question, I promise. Um, okay. No mortgage, no financial industry, no selling debt. If you had to do something like, I, I, it's just kind of a dream job, you know, like at the end of the day, drinking a glass of wine and like, if you could do anything, like what would, if you see a role that would make you so happy, I mean, whether it's coaching Duke basketball or whatever, is there a dream job that you think about? It It's always a toss up between professional golfer and, you know, a country musician. There you go. Yeah. All right. I like that. Yeah. I'd those be are, your those are the two things that I wish I would have focused on more growing up to just, you know, I, I didn't get into either of those until I was, you know, much older, but um, I, Absolutely love both of those things, singing, playing guitar, playing golf. Um, I think basketball was probably never really in my, you know, phys physiological makeup, but um, it definitely was my love. But um, those two things would be would be really fun. Yeah, I've golfed with you. You'd be, I'd caddy for you. That would be fun, especially be. if, if you're playing Brahim uh, for money. Maybe um, the senior tour one day. You never know. You never know, man. Um, so is there anything like, is there... We, you've said a lot. Uh, is there anything that's on the tip of your tongue that you feel like you want to say along these lines or do you feel pretty complete? No, I do. I, I appreciate this. You know, I appreciate the insightful questions. Um, I really hope that whoever's listening to this, you know, takes some of these things to heart. And um, I, I think the last superpower uh, of the three was an implementer. Um, you know, I, when I learn something, I implement it. Like if I read a book and I highlight something and I I'm like, okay, this is going to happen now. Like it, it just happens. Like there's no, Oh, I wish I would have done that. Or, you know, I never got around to it. Like if it means enough to me to move me, then I'm going to implement it. Right. And there's no sense in listening to an hour long podcast and writing things down or taking something away. If you don't immediately go do it. Right. And so I just, I appreciate you asking really great questions. I, I, I always love talking to you. And um, if you're watching this, just take one thing and go do it, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I, I'm a curious guy. and I love learning from people like you just because it's inspiring and I'm in your business and I'll be honest, I think I'm good at what I do, but you know, you're at a whole new level. So um, anyway, RG, I want to say thank you. I'm going to um, say goodbye and um, uh, I hope we can connect soon. We will, brother. Look forward to seeing you. You're going to be in Austin? I am not. Uh, I'm taking a little bow out of the group, but I hope to get back into it soon. All right. Well, let's set something up before then. All right, buddy. Thank you. Talk soon. See ya.